It's such a privilege and honor and joy to get to be up here this morning with you. If I don't know you, my name's Nisha Lene Skilperert, and I have the crazy privilege and honor of being on this team as the worship director and then also as the young adults coordinator. And I've known a lot of our team um, since I was a wee youth, just the bare age of 15. Um, and my history with this church goes way back, even though I'm not from here. So it just feels so precious and sweet to get to share about worship, which is one of the subjects that has just totally transformed and changed my life. I'd, I would not be here in this room today if it wasn't for moments of worship. This house actually has a history of incredible moments with God in worship. And far beyond the years that I've been here, I know it goes way, way, way back even to when Jan and Garris were leading this church and Ryan and Kate were actually, I think, young people in their community. <laughs> They're still young people, guys, right? <laughs> younger, younger people. <laughs> and um, Kate and Ryan have told me stories of moments where them and Andy and I think others of you in this room even... Um, Pete, you, they would gather in rooms as like young 20s and just crowded into living rooms. And maybe one person would have a guitar. Maybe they'd know one song, but the presence of God would just come and fill the room and they would do it for hours. And so much of these beautiful humans that we get to be in community with and led by, their hearts were founded in that place of worship. And I know that's my story. Actually, if we go back 15 years when I met all of these crazy, wonderful people, I was 15 and I came to Camp Crestview. Camp Crestview, let's give honor where it's due. It's an amazing place. Um, and I just, I am, it never ceases to amaze me what God will do when we dedicate a space to just loving his kids, like literally his kids. It just it wrecks me because I would not be here today. There's so much in my life that it would have changed if I hadn't had moments like that where people created space. I know, I know, me too. That's <laughs> how I feel right now. Um, where people created space just for the Lord to meet kids. It's like so profound. It's so simple, but it matters so much. And thank you for just being in this place with me and allowing just tears are going to flow. That's beautiful. It's a part of our expressions. It's definitely a part of the way that I feel the Holy Spirit. So there will be tears in and out of this. But I'm just so thankful for that camp. I remember standing in the sanctuary as like a 15-year-old and being radically touched by the power of God and just his presence in worship and singing these songs and somehow a group of high schoolers are miraculously delivered of insecurity for three hours. <laughs> and we're running around the room and we're laughing and crying and falling on our face and doing weird things and jumping in crazy, weird, offbeat ways. <laughs> and there's this beautiful, vibrant, boisterous, bald guy leading us. <laughs> and it was Andy. <laughs> and... 
Um, there were some other heavy hitters there. I don't know if you've heard of them, but Kim Butcher was there. Drew Berryessa, Danny Hall, little known fact. Um, Kate and Ryan, I think, were maybe directing that year. I'm not sure, but there were multiple years and many more of you in this room that I can look at and say we were there in that moment together. And I look at our team today and I just laugh because I go, God, I had no idea in those moments of worship, the people you were connecting me to, to be a part of this 16, 17 years later. So just, I mean, it's crazy. So just don't discount what he can do in one moment worshiping with others. It's crazy. I spent years over in YWAM overseas getting to do missions after high school and then um, just spent some amazing years at Bethel School Ministry as a student and an intern and then later as staff um, leading worship, working with the school. Um, I've traveled to different places just to be a part of places where people congregate around worship and prayer. And none of that is to tell you to say that I am somehow an expert, not at all, but it should just really show you that I'm addicted <laughs> to worship. And there can, I will just say this really quick, there, there can be a place in Christianity where yes, there is, we can use worship as a band-aid, where sometimes we're actually called into deeper healing, like we need counseling, or maybe we need to deal with some things. And I will just say, I'm the first person to say, please do that, that is, so necessary. I've spent years since I was 12 years old in counseling rooms, truly, and I'll share more of that story another time. So I deeply believe in inner healing and emotional health, but there is something in worship, in communion with God, that I would, I would just say it, it's not actually a Band-Aid. When it's not inauthentic, there's a deep place of healing that happens in worship. Fast forward, I went through those years and then God actually invited me to move to Medford. It was like a crazy life decision, totally going out in faith, believing that I was gonna create this kind of discipleship community with friends and God did so much through that. It was amazing and it, it's what brought me here and I had no idea and no intention to be a part of a worship community again, honestly. But I would come to Living Waters in the old building. This is back in 2017 when me and Kayleen both moved here. <laughs> and I would sit in the back row and I would just like take in God's presence. And I remember getting so wrecked by this little simple worship team. And Andy, I just wanna honor Andy because he has been the worship pastor and director here for about 15, 16 years before I came in and grew up here. Garris really called him up. And Andy led such an incredible foundation of worship that we get to ride now. And I got to step in and just partner with him and kind of launch off of that diving board he'd created and he'd forged for hours and hours. And so sometimes we step into moments and there's an easy current, but we don't always recognize the years of prayer or hard work or thankless moments that happened to get here. And so I just want to say, even any wells of worship we have in this community, so much of it, I just want to thank you, Andy, for what you've poured out. 
And I would sit in the back of that old building and I didn't know any of you guys. I knew like some of the staff because of the years of camp and staying connected. But I would just worship and get wrecked by Jesus. And our worship has always been awesome. Don't get me wrong. But there were times when it was like, okay, we're so off beat. We're all playing different things. Kristen's laughing because she can attest. (laughs) But there's moments like they weren't musically perfect moments, but the presence of God was there. And it doesn't really matter, honestly, what a band does or what the worship leader does. If you guys bring your well of love for him, it doesn't matter. That room is about to explode. You guys honestly don't need me. You don't need this at all. Do you know that you're your own worship leader? The Holy Spirit, actually, he's the best worship leader because he's constantly reminding us and pointing us back to the Lord and pointing out beautiful things about the Lord and tugging on our hearts and pulling us into connection. That's the Holy Spirit's role. It's just always bringing us back to Jesus. So long story short, I'm at the old building and God's just like impacting my heart with this team. I remember seeing like Kristen play and um, I had this specific memory of seeing Frank Lawson, who is this, he's not here anymore. I love you, Frank. Love you, Bernie. But they're, um, they're retired and they're living their best life in Hawaii now. But I remember seeing Frank just like shredding it on the bass. He's this old, cool rocker dude with gray hair, tattoos. And I don't know this guy at all. And I'm just watching him and I'm just bawling my ever living eyes out. And I'm like, why? And my heart is just erupting for this man and for his family. And I don't know why. I have no idea what they've been through. And he just, the Lord just kept doing that in my heart with person after person on the team. And I remember Tom Boyles and Rose and Jonathan and Kristen. And like, there were all these different people. There was so many, I can't name them all, but the Lord was just like impacting my heart for this worship community. And I had no idea, but six months later, Ryan invites me into his office and he's like, hey, (laughs) and invites me into leadership over the worship team and through kind of a process and transition, I ended up stepping into that worship director role. And um, so really Andy could step into a lot more beyond that. And um, it was just such a great privilege. And I just want to say to Ryan and Kate, thank you so much just for seeing me and believing in me and for seeing the Holy Spirit and just saying, yes, you didn't even really know. (laughs) You were just following the Lord. (laughs) But they didn't know that God had been working in my heart for months about this team. So it was so beautiful. So today when I'm talking, I'm going to be mainly sharing about individual worship. So that's worship where we're not in a corporate setting like this, where maybe we're on our own in our daily life. What is it? What is the purpose? What's the value of worship as an individual? Because next week, Andy's actually going to dive more into the corporate expression and, and what can happen in the room when we gather. Did you guys know that worship is not music? It's not at all. Music is this beautiful, I don't know, otherworldly gift that God gave us to connect to his soul and spirit. But, and music is so powerful. I could geek out about that for a long time and the science of it. But 
Worship is a heart posture. It's a place that we hold of prayer and communion with God. In John 4, 23, it says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And I love this verse, Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, looking that he may strongly support a heart that is completely his. We want our hearts to be completely yours, Lord. He's looking for friends to share his heart with. And that seat of worship, of seeing him, revering him, being in awe. That word worship, there's tons of words for it in, in the Bible, but the deep core of it is really just an adoration of God, magnifying God, revering him, awe of God, keeping our heart in this place of just, you are God, I am not, and I'm in awe of you. I'm in wonder of you. That can look like so many things, you guys, beyond this stage and this expression. Each of us were uniquely designed to worship. Do you know that it's actually in your DNA? God created you to worship just like he created everything with a design, when you actually worship, there are things in your identity and your destiny that will align that never could before because you are doing what the maker designed you for. It's like, it's like something that's been manufactured, right? You read the manual and you're like, what's the original intent of this software or this machinery? If you use it for something it's not intended for, weird things happen in many ways. But we were designed at our core to worship. Romans eight nineteen. the creation groans in eager expectation for the sons and daughters to be revealed. In Luke nineteen forty, Jesus said in response to people worshiping God, he said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. So there's this DNA, even in creation and nature, that's constantly singing the praises of God. And I think it's Psalm 19, it says, like, the, the earth declares the glory of God, the skies, the seas, and it goes through all these parts of creation that are giving glory to God. And we were like his final, beautiful, last installation of creation. It's in our design. And I believe deeply in my heart that you could never come to another Sunday worship time again. And you could live a life overflowing with worship. And that's my prayer for us as a community. I know for me, I experience the deepest times of worship um, alone in nature, honestly. And for all of you, it might be a different place. There might be a different like portal to connection with God for you. It might be race car driving or it might be, <laughs> I look at Chad. <laughs> I'm not saying it is, but you know, I, it might be like watching your kids be friends with each other. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Um, it might be waking up and seeing your spouse sleeping. It might be being out on a walk, whatever it is for you. I just want you to begin to think about that. Like, what are those places where my heart 
gets tenderized and it turns towards the Lord. Because those are invitations into communion and worship every single day, all the time. It's like the air we breathe in, out. There's invitations to just commune with him every single day, all day long too. It's, Ken Helser says, you can find him in everything or you can miss him in anything. And truly, it's truly like just how we want to live. Do we want to live fully tuned in? It's not actually work, guys. He, it's so fun to stay connected to him. I think in, our, in my past, I used to think, oh, it takes so much work. I've got to like keep myself connected to God. And it's like, no, that's the Holy Spirit's job. I just get to stay open. That's my only job is the soft heart. Keep my heart open. Holy Spirit continues to give me these doors into God. So I want to read this psalm over us as just a jumping in place we're already in. But could you just worship with me as we read this together? Psalm 100. This is one of my favorite psalms talking about worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He keeps us, he tends us. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. All generations. It's never left you. He is good. We're going to talk more about that that specific portion of we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Before we do, I just want to set that foundation that worldly worship is a, a state of being. It's a heart posture. It's communion. It's beholding God. And I heard someone say once, beholding is becoming. He's looking for friends to share his heart. What we adore and worship, we actually become like. That's why there's an epidemic with social media and politics and so many things that want to take our attention, right? It's a war over our attention. Whatever we worship, whatever we look at, we gaze at, we become like. It's a principle of the kingdom. Why is worship such a big deal in the Bible? So many commands about not worshiping other idols or gods because God knew we'd become like whatever we worship. We become what we behold. And many of us actually, when we're in worship, we're actually getting to realign, excuse me, rewire our brains. Staring and beholding God is a huge part of regrowing our internal world. And I know for some of us, I shared this before, but for some of us, we really struggle even imagining God's face or Jesus' face. I know I did for most of my life, and I've shared how he came to me, and he would come to me in a different form because he'd just come in whatever was safe. And however my spirit could accept him, he's not worried He's so humble and gentle in heart. He just comes the way we need him to come. 
And for years, he just came to me as a lion. Until he was safe enough to show me more of his face. Because a man wasn't safe for a long time. But he began to heal me and heal me the more I saw him. Sometimes he came as a river. And I would just feel his love just cascade over me and pour over me. So I just want to give you permission today. He's going to encounter you uniquely for you. He's doing it right now. He's meeting you right now in a way that's so powerful. But over time, I began to see Jesus' face more and more and see his smile and see how proud of me he was, see pleasure in his eyes, not disappointment or criticism. But that took practice. So us practicing that muscle of gazing on God, it's so important, you guys. It's, it's the seed of worship. And you know, this is so crazy. If We've talked about attachment when it comes to early childhood development before. And attachment is formed in the early infant stages. And it's when a mom is like nursing a baby at their breast and they're locking eyes with their baby. And that child's sense of identity, safety, the foundation for how they filter the whole world is built in that moment of actually just staring and locking eyes with their caregiver. It's this perfect, you know, it's supposed to be this perfect source of love. A lot of us didn't have that. But I want to tell you guys, there's a reason we stare into the eyes of love. There's a reason we stare into Jesus' face and see him. He's reparenting us. He's actually healing our nervous systems. He's freeing our minds and our bodies. He's helping us to receive identity. I love this uh, story from Jonathan Helser. Jonathan and Melissa Helser are amazing worship leaders and pastors out in North Carolina. I got the joy of being led by them for a year. And Jonathan always tells a story when he would hold his firstborn son, he would just get as close to his baby's face as he could. And he would just like nestle up there. And he realized one day that Cadence, his son, was staring up at his eyes, but he wasn't just looking into his dad's eyes. Have you ever been so close to someone that you can see your own reflection in their eyeballs? <laughs> if you've ever been in love, maybe, or if you've held your kids really close, that's what worship was meant to be. This up close, holding eye contact with God, seeing his perfect love, and then seeing ourselves, but through his eyes. His eyes become our mirror when we look at him. And he instills identity. I love that Jesus created worship to be this double-edged beautiful sword that pierces everything else in our lives. And it's as we proclaim who he is, he can't help but tell us who we are. He just loves to do it. It's like we tell him who he is, we thinking we're coming to give this to God, but no, while we tell him who he is, he pours into us and he reminds us of our identity, right? Have you guys had experiences like that? You come and you're just telling the Lord, thank you for things. And then he ends up telling you more about who you are. God doesn't need this from us. <laughs> He's not an insecure God who's like, worship me. I think I need it today. <laughs> he, he doesn't need it. He's self-sufficient. He's the all-sufficient one. It's, we are just designed so intrinsically connected to him that us 
uttering who he is realigns who we are because we're so interconnected. And that's a mystery. And go seek out that mystery because there is so much more for you to discover there that I can't get into today. But God invites us to worship. He designed us because he knew it would change us. Also, when we worship, there's this alignment. We come into a heavenly perspective, right? How many of you have come into worship feeling one way, probably negative, and you left completely different? How many people? Okay. It could be a corporate moment. It could be individual moment, but you came in to talk to God and you left different. That's the power of worship. He realigns us. And I don't remember who said this. Uh, I couldn't find the quote, but I love this sentence that when, that the, one of the true evidences of God's existence is that I am somehow different and I didn't change me. So something happened. Because <laughs> matter is neither created nor destroyed. It only changes form. So something in us changes form when we're with the creator. In that place of gratitude, you know, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, gratitude, thankfulness. And you guys know this, but it is such a powerful powerful weapon God has given us, gratitude, just turning our heart towards thankfulness. Maybe we're struggling with something. So example, finances. We're like, man, I would love to go on that trip, but goodness, do not have the funds. Or I don't know how I'm going to pay for my kids' schooling this next month. Or whatever. We all have, we all face financial stuff one time or another. So in that moment, I can just turn my heart to the Lord and go, thank you for this room that I get to live in. Thank you for these clothes that don't look too bad. Thank you for this food that I ate today. Like truly just thanking him for the simplest things. And then it opens this door into his presence. And then there's a deeper door and it's called praise. And it's where we're thanking him for things in our life, but then it's, we're actually praising him beyond our circumstance. It's not about what we have right now. It's actually seeing who he is, even if we're not experiencing it yet. And we're telling him, God, you are the good one. You're the faithful one. You're the steadfast one. I know that you're the provider. I need to experience you as provider right now, but I'm declaring and praising that you're the provider. And before we know it, this alignment has come. And then in that realm, it's like a glory realm, honestly. It's heaven's perspective comes into our minds. And we get to exchange the thoughts we had that honestly were probably dark or heavy or just mixed in with some lies. And we get this zoomed out, beautiful, long-term perspective of God. He's very long-term. And often we're so close and stuck up in this very, um, in our circumstance, we're so close up to our circumstances, we don't see very far. And God's just like, he lifts our head out of it in worship, and we look back and we can see so much farther with him. And he gives us perspective for our suffering. And we need that, you guys. We need, we need this so desperately. Because we will go through suffering. We will go through circumstances that shred our hearts, that question our faith, that shake us. If you, don't, if you haven't had that yet, you haven't lived yet, apparently, <laughs> very long. Or 
bless you, there's probably amazing things coming in your life, but in this world, we know that there will be suffering also. And so this is so important for us because the heavenly alignment, it really takes us out of our own circumstances and we get to pull from heaven's resources. The kingdom of God is here at hand now. That's what Jesus declared. The kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. His reality is accessible to us in every single situation. I know I don't always live that way. I'm guessing most of us don't. We don't always live in that heavenly place. We're trapped in these bodies, but he actually created these bodies to be able to connect with him and experience that heavenly alignment. When we go into high praise in our hearts, it lifts the heaviness, it lifts the heavy yoke, it lifts mindsets, maybe even generational things we're unaware of. That high praise place can cut through anything. And all the coaches and high achievers in the world and scientists are saying gratitude is the way you rewire your brain and body. And if you have trauma, gratitude and meditation are really important to you. Guess what? Meditation has been an ancient part of our Christian faith for like thousands and thousands of years. It's not a new concept. But as believers, we actually have access to meditation with Jesus that changes us. And scientists say it takes 15 seconds to actually intercept a negative thought that turns into action and turn it into a positive one. So in 15 seconds, you can shift a terrible outcome that you were about to even, maybe you're about to yell at your kids. Maybe you're about to do something really dumb. You have about 15 seconds in there where if you just turn your heart slightly to gratitude or even just like, Lord help me, Jesus, because, God knows most of us, that's all we can say in those moments. But the Holy Spirit will help you. He loves to help us. He does. Worship is a response, you guys. In Romans 12, one through two, it says, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He didn't say offer your best songs and your best guitar riffs, although those are awesome too. <laughs> but just offer your hearts, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of true worship. Then listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is so amazing. We come into worship. We offer ourselves as these living sacrifices of worship to God. And then what happens? Our minds transform and are renewed to think like him. And then we get heavenly perspective and we can discern his good, pleasing, perfect will. We can actually discern in this circumstance that we're fighting with, what's your will, God? What's your goodness in this moment for me? That's just, it's so beautiful. It's really important that we learn how to respond with our bodies. And you guys hear me say this a lot from the front. And I just want to say, I wasn't always like this, <laughs> almost face planting on the stage every, every time I worship. Um, 
But there is a response in our DNA that's actually, we are created to physically respond to God. In the Psalms, there's like dozens of words for worship that actually are physical action. And some of them are like bowing and kneeling, lifting hands, clapping, standing, lifting up eyes, dancing, um, whirling around or spinning like a top is literally one of the meanings. Shouting with full volume and many, many more. But worship actually requires a physical response. And sometimes in this room, like we don't feel the permission to do that. But I would say whatever you do in private overflows in public. And it's really the private life with God. I mean, I would love this room to feel so free that we can just express however we want. I know that personalities are different and we all connect with the Lord differently. But I would just say in your personal time with the Lord, like you should just try dancing. I mean, for real. Like if you've never been alone and just let it fly, it's an amazing indicator too of what we're aware of, what we're conscious of. Because sometimes we can feel embarrassment and we're like alone by ourselves. Who are we, why are we embarrassed? <laughs> I remember the first time like Jesus invited me to a dance by myself in my room and I was like, It was awkward, and, but I was like, it's just me. Why am I embarrassed of myself? But I will just say there are realms of freedom and glory. You don't even know what's happening in the spirit realm when you move, when you praise. And we don't have time to get into all of that, but it is powerful to use your body. David danced undressed before Jesus. He was so overcome with the love and glory and beauty of God that he just started dancing like a wild man, basically naked. And he said, I'll become even more indignified than this because when you catch a glimpse of God's worthiness, you guys, it doesn't really matter what you look like. You're not thinking about you. You're caught up in him. He encompasses our pain, our problems in those moments, and we're totally taken into this place of just adoring him. And that's actually the place where we have powerful impact on other people. And we're not trying to do it. We're just adoring and loving him. And what flows out is this influence of his spirit. It's like Mary, when she came and she poured oil on Jesus. We know this story. We love it. And she risked ridicule and exposure for her time as a woman to come and lay this gorgeous gift of years of wages, a year's worth of wages, I think it was, of perfume on Jesus. And then she was weeping because she felt so thankful for what God had done for her, for this man, Jesus. And she weeps on him and she dries his feet with her hair. It's this beautiful expression of like, I have to love you. I have to tell you how much I love you. There is a love that casts out fear like that. And I just want to say to you guys, insecurity is the greatest. Insecurity robs true worship. It just totally poisons intimacy. Insecurity poisons intimacy in relationships too. In your marriages, in your relationships, in parent-child relationships, insecurity will erode because the basis of insecurity is fear, right? Perfect love casts out fear. So the antidote isn't we need to work harder, pray more, and like beat ourselves into submission. No, the antidote is we need to just adore God and love him and let his love overcome us so that we're just like 
what else can I do but respond to you? I love this uh, TED Talk that I watched uh, like 10 years ago, and it's this powerful study that they did of humans when they step into victory. So Olympics, Olympians, sports, they studied groups all in different people groups, different languages, body language. What is the way that people show a sign of victory in their body? What's their, their body language? And universally, you guys, when someone felt victory, this was their expression. <laughs> Universal. Hands in the air, chin up, face up, huge smile. I can, there's another place that I've seen that posture. <laughs> right? It's like when we're beholding the glory of God, all we can do is just fully open and it's this place that actually, when we love God, victory courses through our body. It's so important to use your body, guys. And you know what's cool in that study? They even, they even polled people who had been blind from birth, who had never seen another person ever, had never seen a person respond in victory. So they didn't learn it from somewhere, right? Even people who were blind from birth, when they experienced a great victory, same expression. We were designed to worship you guys. Worship is the place where we magnify the Lord. Sometimes our times of worship might be a little dull, and I would just say that they're not dull because of Jesus. I would actually wonder if they are dull or they're heavy or they're somber all the time. There's a, there's a so, soberness that comes with the spirit of God and reverence and beauty and conviction and healing, but there's a somberness that's heavy that can take away, right? And if your worship times are always that way, I would wonder if you're actually seeing the real Jesus or are you seeing like a wax mannequin of him built by religion or by past experiences or what people have told you he's like. And I just feel like today there's this invitation just to see Jesus again, just to see him again. In the Bible, it talks about the angels and the elders and they're around the throne of God and they see Jesus, they see him and they can't help every time they see him throwing down their crowns and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord and then somehow the crowns get back on their head and then they see another side of Jesus because he's like a diamond. He's got all of these thousands of facets. They see another part of him they never saw before and they throw their crowns down and the angels are singing, Jesus, you're so holy, you're so worthy. And I think for us, when worship gets old, it's like we just need to see a new side of him. We just need to ask him to show us more of him. My friend Crystal, she talks about magnifying the Lord. And she gave me permission to share this, but she would carry around this big magnifying glass and she'd sometimes teach. And she'd say, whatever you magnify gets bigger. So when you magnify the Lord, that's what you see. When you magnify your circumstances or your pain, that's what you see, right? We have this powerful gift, guys, of the eyes of our spirit. 
Worship is also an immune system. Are we, is everyone okay? Are we good? Let's take a deep breath together. It's good. You're here, Jesus. Worship is an immune system. I was praying for you guys uh, this last few weeks, and I was just like, Lord, there's a million things we could talk about with worship. Like, where do we even start? What, what matters to you? What should we talk about? And he just said to me, worship's an immune system, Nisha. And I was like, oh. So I went and looked, read what an immune system is. And he basically was saying, read what an immune system is. Worship is your spiritual immune system. An immune system, let me read you guys this, protects our body from outside invaders, keeps us healthy. It actually prevents disease, prevents dis-ease, prevents sickness of all kinds, right? There's two parts of our immune system. The innate immune system, we are born with it. There's something in us that was born with it. Secondly, the adaptive immune system. This is amazing. I love science, guys. <laughs> the adaptive immune system, you develop this when your body is exposed to toxins, chemicals, bacteria. You actually have to encounter bad things that can hurt you in order for your immune system to grow strong, to be able to fight off anything else. Are you guys hearing this? Worship is an immune system. It's innate, yes. There's an innate version of worship in you that you were given by God to praise God, but there's also a developed worship in you that keeps you strong, that keeps you healthy, that you have to go through hard things. You have to go through deserts to be able to dig a well. And those moments when we're in a dry place, just begin to thank the Lord truly and ask him for help because you're digging something so deep you will draw on it for the rest of your life. I remember being at Bethel and God telling me, you know, every single day there was amazing worship, amazing sermons. Like you could just eat every day and feast off of God, right? And I remember Jesus saying, Nisha, do you wanna come and get a water bottle from me every day from these people? You can do that. Or do you want to go with me somewhere and we'll go dig a well together? And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. He led me into some years that were honestly not easy, you guys. But there were wells that will get dug in you in those places of desert that you will then get to show people this is where the water is. And you will get to teach other people how to dig a well themselves far greater than handing out water bottles. <laughs> I want to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to, I'm going to close here in a minute and we're just going to keep worshiping in this place and have a time to just practice posturing our hearts continually to Jesus. I also want to say, um, as, a, as an immune system, it pre it's preventative, right? Some of us, like I said, we don't need to shame ourselves or work harder to get rid of addictions, to get rid of places in us that maybe we haven't brought into line. Whatever our thinking is, it's actually that we need to come into communion. We need to get saturated in his presence and totally fascinated by him. Because it's the, it's the law of displacement. 
If you fill yourself with something, whatever was there before gets pushed out, right? Whatever you eat more in the spirit, you'll hunger for more. Whatever you eat more of, you end up craving, right? You eat a lot of Chick-fil-A, you're going to crave Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's good. I don't blame you. Worship is also warfare. Bill Johnson says the greatest act of spiritual warfare is worship. And I love, Ryan always says that the greatest spiritual warfare, or the true true spiritual warfare is really just replacing lies with God's truth, which is what we get to do in worship, isn't it? Also in Second Chronicles 20, I love this story. They send the worshipers out before the army, Jehoshaphat's army, and they're like, there's so many guys out there. There's no way we're going to make it through the night. And Jesus is like, send the band out, sing and worship and praise me. And they're like, okay. (laughs) They don't lift a finger and God defeats the armies on their behalf. All they did was worship. There's a communion table with the Lord full of everything we need. When we, adore, when we worship, we're in communion. We come to God and we're just feasting on that meal he's prepared for us, on the peace, on the joy, on the hope. Maybe we need hope today. But at communion tables with him, he, he feeds us a meal every single day. I love this too, Jericho. It was a unified sound of praise that brought the walls of Jericho down. There's this word symphonium. It's in that, in that passage where it says, two or, agree, two or three agree in my name, so shall it be done. That word agree actually is symphonium. It's a musical term of harmony, meaning when we're in one in the spirit, Anything can be done. Andy's going to talk more next week about celebration. Because I've been talking mainly about individual worship, but he's going to go deeper into corporate worship. But I just want to say a couple quick highlights on that. We used to gather our, our ancient traditions, right? We used to gather at a temple and give a sacrifice. But now we are the temple and we gather to celebrate the sacrifice he gave. That's already been done. Instead of a transaction, we now have a party. We have a communion feast to come to. I was at upper room last week and it's this incredible church community that has just poured their hearts into vertical worship just connecting with Jesus and I was in the prayer room and just praying for you guys and asking God and just enjoying him and he told me (laughs) he said Nisha there's a well of worship in southern Oregon there's a well of worship here guys he said if you want it you guys can have it I want it I was like, yes, we want it, we want it, yes. (laughs) My favorite sound in worship is when the glory of God comes in a room and the band has to just pause. 
and there's this reverence and awe and his glory fills and it's like everybody hits the floor and you know sometimes as insecure worship leaders we might try to fill the space or we feel like we have to give a word but I just want to say to you guys in these moments of collective worship will you steward those moments of reverence with us and if we're going weird or wonky, will you just bind your hearts with us as a worship team? And there's moments where we get it wrong and we might be going off a weird spot and you're like, sometimes it's hard. You come into worship, you're in a certain place, the worship leader's going a different direction and you have to tune your heart to Jesus and go, I'm here anyways, please don't tune out. You matter so much. Your heart, the well you are bringing. The picture I got was we all bring our wells and we just flow out of those wells. And then what happens, this river, this deluge, this torrent starts flowing of his presence. And things can happen in that exponential place of all of our wells coming together that can never happen on our own. I believe this is a season where we're stepping into an experience of that like never before. So I just wanna pray over us. If you just wanna respond, if you wanna stand, if you wanna put your hands out, close your eyes, but we're just going to take the last minutes that we have, and if you guys could just be aware at, at 11.30, go get your kiddos, just so we can honor our kingdom kids, but we're just going to get lost in worship for some minutes. Some of you need to stand up. Some of you need to lay down. Some of you need to dance. Some of you might cry. Some of you just need to sit there and hold the face of God, His eyes in front of you, and practice that muscle. Would you just come? Come, Lord Jesus, come. We worship you. We love you. We put our eyes back on you, Jesus, and we just turn our hearts back. If there's any place where we've not been seeing you, we want to see you again. We want to see your beauty again. We want to be totally captivated by your beauty, God. I had a moment in August. I was struggling. My mind was was deconstructing so many questions, so many things with God, and like the face of Jesus had gotten like dirty and Jesus just came in a moment and he let me see him again and his beauty and his purity and it just pierced through all of the heaviness it pierced through depression it pierced through lies that were coming in and he has that for you this morning I feel like there's this is for someone that sometimes in our own disillusionment with religion or with church, we let that mar the face of Jesus. And I just wanna say, you can deconstruct the house all you want, but don't take out a good foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the rock. You don't need to deconstruct Jesus. You need to deconstruct all the apparatuses that we've built around him. Sometimes we've just covered him up so much that we forget what he looks like. We forget the true purity of our Savior and lover. And so I just feel an invitation for some of us today. We're just going to see him again.
Lord for a few minutes. some of us today. You've struggled with insecurity or fear your entire life, and he's removing it in his love today. Just focus on his love. Whatever we magnify, whatever we focus on gets bigger. Just focus on his love. He's removing insecurity and freeing you to an experience of worship with him that you've never had before. And for some of you, I saw some of us wearing this sleep mask, like at night where you put a mask over your eyes to sleep and block out the light. And I felt like he said, He's waking us up. For some of us, he's just waking up our spirits again because we've been sleeping. Wake up. Wake up all over this room, whether you're watching online. We just speak to hearts. Wake up and see Jesus. He's so worthy. You're so worthy, Jesus. Let's just focus on him. You deserve 
Please. 
conversations out in the lobby, and I just felt this word for some of you. Um, I feel the Lord wants to encourage some of you. He's building a capacity in you to linger in moments where maybe you didn't have capacity before, where you're like, I feel ADHD, or I can't stay in the moment. I have to move on to the next thing. I feel God's just releasing a capacity that you didn't have before to linger in His presence and build capacity. It's like babies when we hold them and they're building that attachment through their eyes, at first they look away a lot because they don't have capacity for intimacy yet, but it grows and grows. And so to this week, we just pray all around our church and online that we'd be growing our capacity to just gaze on Jesus and just stay enamored and fascinated with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful day, guys. We love you. Do you want to?